Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 444 on Tuesday, the 14th of December, 2021. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week, we're seeing it's all change at VW, but not how we thought. We note some wise men in France now have no star to follow. And we find out how boring we are when it comes to naming our own cars. But first, we jump into a bit of follow-up to do with Volkswagen, but not Dieselgate. So bear with. Yay. <laughs> Last week, we were talking about the changes at board level within the VW group and how we thought that Brandstatter was going to be taking on more from Dice and all the rest of it. But that's not how it's actually panned out. Nope. Skoda CEO Thomas Schaffer is now going to be VW boss with uh, Brandstatter being moved to China to look after that incredibly important um, market. However, it does feel like a bit of a demotion, I have to say. Definitely. Uh, if anything, it's a sideways-ishness. Yes. I think they've they've possibly upped the emphasis of how important China is. I mean, it is really important to them to hmm. try and offset the pain of not actually <laughs> taking more power. <laughs> yeah. Um, Skoda haven't announced a replacement yet. Obviously, there's very early days for them. But the thing, well, one of the bits for me is that DICE is now going to take direct control of Cariad, their software division. There's <sighs> a lot of that, that kind of thing in the news this week, though. Sigh. Software, software, software. Yes. Mm. Well, refer to my comments last week when talking about <laughs> DICE software and the autonomous vehicle type technology he was he talks about yes i'm sure it'll be just fine anyway something that isn't just fine is the news last week about the renault zoe now this is one of these ones so there was i mean basically it came out as a press release from euro ncap going oh my goodness it's zero stars ah and it was five stars when we got it when it was new ah to be fair it's only the third ever car they've given no stars to. It is. It is. But there's two aspects. That One is that, quite frankly, the rules to play by have changed significantly yep. in the last six, five, six years. Yep. Uh, I've lost how many years it was. So the rules have changed, and what you score stuff for has changed quite significantly. So this is not like the Rover 100 well, the Metro, which previously got zero stars, mm. because basically the engine ended up in the back seat. That That is not what has happened here, partly because it's an EV. The Zoe has been mostly the same. Now, it's not exactly the same. You can't completely say that's just how much the standards have moved on, because in actual fact, as part of the facelift last year, Renault did decontent the Zoe ever so slightly, and they changed the side airbags. They protect only the occupant's thorax rather than the head and thorax. Which is quite a significant change of safetyness. Well, it is, because one of the things that the driver's head directly impacted the side impact pole test. Mm. And so that was a major thing, and I think the way it's, it's certainly inferred, that had it still had the original, the, the original airbags, then that probably wouldn't have happened. So that is an aspect of it. Renault did decontent slightly, but also, but the main thing about this is just how much the emphasis of Euro NCAP stars 
has been moved away from physical safety and much more towards you know there's all the link keeping assist automotive um or the ab systems uh, emergency braking uh, and all that kind of thing has taken far far more of a step pedestrian detection all these kind of things mm. so it's not a level playing field it doesn't mean that a Renault zoe that you've already got is a complete death trap no it does probably mean that your older Renault Zoe is safer than the new Renault Zoe. <laughs> yes. It's a kind of weird one, this. I don't think it's very fair to an extent because of that change. Because I think Renault haven't helped themselves. Renault haven't helped themselves. Uh, there are a couple of things they're going to be doing, though. All Zoe models ordered from the 1st of March will have AEB as a standard. So that would bring them up a bit and, and give them at least a couple of stars. Yeah, 2013. So it is what eight-year-old car i think what it does bring into sharp focus is how how much the standards do change from euro ncap which of course they are because euro ncap are a business and they wish to continue making money so therefore they have to continue to develop and push and market themselves which is one of the reasons why you do keep hearing about all yep, that stuff absolutely but i think we need to have some sort of as a consumer be able to easily tell when someone says, oh, this is a five-star, go, oh, this is a five-star from 2021 or 2015 or 2013. Mm. So we've got something to work with. At the minute, most people on the street, because they don't realise how much it changes uh, or it, that it changes, mm. would just go, oh, five-star's five-star. Especially when the car's almost the same. So Renault uh, points out some stuff that's that's been quoted by Autocar, link to the story in the show notes as ever, and it says, the Zoe was launched in 2013 and received five stars with Euro NCAP protocol at the time. The Euro NCAP protocol has, since 2013, undergone five changes. With the same equipment, a model can lose up to two stars in each protocol change. So that's what they're trying to say. It's like, look, there have been five changes. In theory, we could have lost 10 stars Yeah. here. But from their original five. It's quite right. It's not completely... Uh, completely flat no but i i think that's something that's it, for consumers to clarify and avoid confusion and also help manufacturers so that they you know because in in this example this is a brand new car and people are going to see zero stars and they're going to think that affects their it's, old it's car. not a brand new car no but it, it's not but a it's the 2021 version of the zoe that they facelifted yeah so, but people will think the 2015 is a zero one because they see Renault Zoe zero stars. Exactly. And that needs to change. That's not fair. No, it, it isn't. It isn't. I, I think pretty much everyone agrees that that's not fair, apart from Eurowing. Yep, probably. Right. I am going to continue uh, in our French theme initially and take us to Peugeot, who is the latest to announce how electric they're going to be and by what date. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that is in Europe, they will be EV only from 2030. They have declared, or Linda Jackson, who is the CEO, has declared they will still have to have internal combustion engines for some of their international markets, which is understandable. Mm -hmm. But in Europe, they will be using the new Stellantis platforms, which they're going to be basing their vehicles on. Yeah. They are behind other previously announced Stellantis vehicles 
because DS said they are going to be 2026, Alfa Romeo is 2027, and the Opel Vauxhall brand will be 2028. We're just waiting to hear now on Citroen, so maybe they're 32. <laughs> I don't know if we're going by these years. <laughs> I, no, I think I think Citroen and Peugeot, because they do sell, because they do probably sell in more markets than some of the other brands. Because you didn't list, did you list uh, Fiat in that no. set? No, you didn't. No. You see, those are all small, small markets, aren't they? DS, Alpha, and Open Vauxhall are pure, essentially, almost pure Europe. Uh, Alpha being the question mark in that lot, but Peugeot and Citroen, much wider South America, mm. uh, certainly North Africa, and yeah, I was going to ask you if Africa in the, in the Far East was, was a contributing factor to them being needing to maintain um, ICE engines. I would imagine that they are, yes. Uh, that but wouldn't surprise me at all. Mm-hmm. So st- stuff like the Cielise with the you know the sort of booted shatchbacks, mm. then they they really are for for North uh, North Africa, Egypt, all these kind of countries. Mm-hmm. Well, areas. I mean, Egypt is of course in North Africa. I'm not totally foolish, and and possibly some Middle Eastern markets too. Mm. Uh, do you want to continue with Stellantis? Uh, I can do. Yes. So Stellantis. They're announcing a 30 billion euro software transformation. I wonder, it's a wonder it doesn't say digital transformation in there. Probably does in their press release. <laughs> it probably does, yeah. No, it's, it's being described as a software and electrification transformation. Uh, this is basically what they're investing both to make X brand fully electric in Y place by Z year. Uh, and <laughs> as well as that, they. It's it's been a long day. Uh, as well as that, they are looking to. Ah, <laughs> oh, this makes me chuckle so much, and it's a sort of chuckle of despair, to be honest. That they're looking to basically be able to to generate twenty billion euros in revenue from software-enabled products and subscriptions by twenty thirty. So yeah, basically, you're going to have to pay for bits of your car, and it's all going to be over the air. Yay. Yep, can't see any problems there. There, there are a couple Yay. of um, standout, not necessarily for good reasons, but standout uh, aspects of all this. Uh, obviously, there is the connected services, connected apps, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing that they want people to subscribe to via their car or via a Stellantis brand to allow access. Yes. Uh, there's also data as a service, so the fleet servicing side of things. I'm not sure how they're going to monetize the vehicle pricing and resale value conquests. Is that just they're going to have online shopping? It does sound like that, yeah. I don't know. That sounds dealer end. Yeah. That sounds very much dealer end. Or not dealers. And service retention and cross-selling. I mean, maybe that's just... Stellantis only. (laughs) Well, there is possible, yeah. Because Robinson Day or nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but they but they are also looking to go um, right. Brace yourselves to the STLA Brain, the STLA Smart Cockpit, and the STLA Auto Drive. The Brain is this over-the-air updating where they want to be able to do more than you can at the moment, and also it won't require future hardware updates to enable updates to happen. So, just what everybody else is saying, they are going to be able to do with their software effectively. There's nothing particularly new in any of this. No. They're just being very clear about it, yeah. to be honest. Uh, the smart cockpit is uh, 
basically how can they make money out of us using it. No, no, no. Let me read out the quote. To seamlessly integrate with the digital lives of vehicle occupants to create a customizable third living space. <laughs> I may have sworn a bit when I read that initially. What a marketing word that will insert word that will get a siren across it. Well, here. I mean we get we get proper bingo points as well because they talk about AI in the, in all this as well. They do. Uh, they do. And hey. they claim that the auto drive which will be developed in partnership with BMW will offer level 2, level 2 plus and level Hooray, 3. They created a level. And Yay! level 3, level bingo. Automated driving by the way everyone, please don't call it autonomous, it's automated. Even the government got that right in their legislation. Mm-hmm. So can we get it right when we report on it? Oh, they'll be continuously upgraded through over-the-air updates because that's gone well recently with some companies. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely will not end up with an E208 brick. As Alan says, there's nothing really new. They have put their spin on it and given it their, to their marketing team to make it sound all sexy and interesting, but it's what every company's going down the line of. But they're being upfront about it and let's and very clear about what it is that they're doing and what they plan to do. And you know what? They needed to, though, because they didn't, oh, well, they they did, didn't yeah. have a plan, apparently. Well, that's true. Well, no, they probably didn't. And that's probably a continued hangover from... Um, yeah, uh, all oh, the amalgamation, uh, all, all the buying they've been doing. Oh. It's, that's, that's good. They will, will have had to spend so, you know, hmm. most of this time for the last at least 12 months, working out what they've got, what does what, what can yeah. do what, and all the what rest. What projects, what are we developing? Who's developing them? Which ones do we keep? Which ones do we get rid of? Yeah. It's great fun. Not not, not fun. easy at all. I mean, it'd be really exciting to be dealing with, but not easy to, to get to the point where you can suddenly go, right, we think we've got a handle now. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. yeah. That, by the way, is a serious piece of work. Yeah. For anyone who isn't aware of that kind of stuff. Massive yes. piece of work. Yes, I'm surprised they've done it quite so quick, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Well, to be honest, in the end, they probably just go, no, 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 no. Yes, yeah. we're doing it this way. Yeah. <laughs> That's traditionally what happens, yes. Yes. Right, I'm going to take us to crew, slightly taking us away from, from France. It's not really a come down, is no. it? But no. No, no, because we're talking about Bentley. And they've just mm. opened a brand new 12.5 million testing and a development site, which they will use for in-house testing on their emissions and electric range. They're uh, helping them to become more electrified as a brand and also will save them time and money once they've paid this off uh, Mm. on sending their vehicles away to third parties to be tested for the same stuff. So they'll do the real-world emissions, real-world mileage, the WLTP, fuel consumption stuff, all that sort of stuff they'll be able to do internally on site now. It's a 4,600 square meter facility, two story, and should employ about 100, or will host, sorry, not employ, but will host about 100 staff members. Uh, the Bentley Technical Conformity Department will be based there, and that's that's brilliant that VW have decided that the crew site still is very vital as far as Bentley, mm-hmm. because we'll come to a story later on where some things are changing on that front. Yeah, but as as well as that, then there's there's also the joy that that they might be able to use use that and and essentially lease that out to other automakers in the UK, yep. uh, as well as other parts of the Volkswagen Group as well. Yeah, 
important one. That and it saves up these days, to be perfectly honest, it saves a whole load of hassle trying to get cars back and forth mm-hmm. um, uh, and around the world. Yep. Actually, a big, big thing that could quite easily save it, save the investment in not that long. Yeah, absolutely. I, I believe so. I believe so. And Volkswagen Group are going to need that investment because they also have come out and done a bit of a Stellantis and they've been sharing details of their massive £76 billion, this one's pounds, EV transformation plan, which includes a bunch of things which aren't so exciting, but also a couple of couple of interesting bits and bits and pieces there. They're going to build. Oh, there's lots of bits and pieces they're going to do. Sorry, I'm just trying to work out which ones are most important or not here. So they're going to build a second line for the ID three as part of a. Uh, uh, in addition to a second EV manufacturing facility in Wolfsburg, because all the ID3s are made at Zwickau, mm-hmm. in uh, which right out in the east of Germany, and it used to be the former Trabant factory. There you go. I'm sure. I'm sure motoring podcast listeners knew that stuff. Anyway, they're going to be building some new models in Hanover, and they come from what's called the. Artemis project, which has been run by Audi, and that includes the new A8 and bodies for future Bentley models mm-hmm. as well. I think that that's been done before. I think there've been some other Bentley models where the bodies were made abroad and then brought to crew for final finishing. I could be wrong. Oh, there we go. Bentayga bodies currently built in Germany and shipped to crew. There we go. Okay. That's what I was thinking of. I didn't know that. Bentley, by the way, would like their first EV to be built in crew, but nobody has confirmed where it's going to be built yet. Stuff that we know about, things like the ID Buzz. So that's the micro bus, inverted commas, etc., etc., that everybody's excited about. Uh, <laughs> sorry, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? It'll be built in Hanover, both passenger cargo forms. There's going to be a camper version at some point and built there too. Porsche built a couple of new, coming in with a couple of new Porsche models. Lots of bits and pieces. They're going to turn the Sal Salzgitter plant, apologies for the pronunciation, to into their European battery hub, where they'll be building their own battery cells. Uh, Hanover also is going to build lots of axles, motor assemblies, as well as Bauschwig, Kassel, and Salzgitter are going to be producing battery systems, rotors, electric motors for the MEB-based EVs. I assume that's across all the brands. And then other plants are prepping for next generations of platforms. Yep. It sounds like they're having a busy old time. <laughs> I'm knackered just talking about well, it. Well, this was first mentioned in September, but um, no, sorry, November, uh, mm. about this time in November. But we've had to wait until all the well whether dice was going to carry on mm-hmm. <laughs> in his in his role well let alone with the company so that all needed to settle down but they they talked that was part of dice's pitch to continue as ceo was look we're going to invest this much this is what we're talking about mm-hmm. doing and that's where the whole there will be job losses came up from which then kicked off the unions to be worried which then meant that we had all Several weeks of negotiation, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it by the sounds of it, he got quite close in places where he wasn't actually guaranteed to keep in his job. No, it did seem to be incredibly tight, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, but that's kind of what happens in Germany if you do say, Well, there's probably gonna be job losses, mm. uh, and then almost half of your board is made up of members from the union, it's gonna be close, yes, 
And by the way, I should point out that that uh, 76 billion pounds or 89 billion euros uh, will be spent over the next four years. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right, I am going to take us to GridServe. And they they have announced... <laughs> Sorry. They we'll, have we'll come an, to why I'm laughing in a minute. They have announced that they will be constructing two new EV4 courts, which is good news. Yay. One's in Norwich, the other one's in Gatwick Airport. So uh, places that need them, certainly. That, I, that don't I, get I me guess- wrong. Everywhere needs them. Trust me, I'm very aware of this. That everywhere needs them, but seems interesting choices. Well, yes, it, I mean it'd be fantastically useful for people in Norwich or near Gatwick. Yeah, not exactly. That, and that's in addition to other other sites which also have planning permission at Bromborough, no idea, Gateshead, Plymouth, and Uckfield. I think these grid serve sites look fantastic. I just wish some of them were like closer to civilization. And don't say Gatwick Airport civilization. Well, I think the Gateshead and Plymouth definitely are places that need them. Oh, yeah. Um, I know the. I know you weren't saying that, by the way, and that's not what I meant. But they are. You know, we know that outside of the southeast, there is very much a disparity, and it is you are lucky if you get the coverage you hope you would get. Hmm. Would you really like one of these sites somewhere between Manchester and Liverpool, Andrew? That would be handy. <laughs> certainly. Yes. It would certainly be handy for blood for your blood pressure. Yes. Your doctor would appreciate yes. it. I think the manufacturers might appreciate it too. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's great. There's going to be about... They are aiming to have 100 sites, obviously. This is less than 10 it's going to take time. You've got to find sites. You've got to get appropriate permissions. You've got to actually build them. So lots more to come. Let's keep an eye on it. Let's let's hope they're going to kind of close in from the extremities towards certainly to, towards to, to, towards this part of the Midlands and um, and and towards the, the the northwest. I think they would be really really popular in the northwest. <laughs> but what I, w- I will say is, whilst I have been a combination of unlucky and just the realities of it. Shouty. The pace of change is good to see because we we are seeing, it's almost weekly now, another company saying, we're investing these, we're going to be putting these numbers out, and that's great, mm-hmm. and that can only help us, and that can only help what the government has decided we are going to move to. Obviously, we need more, we need it quicker, and all the rest of it, because the, mm-hmm. the purchasing of EVs will snowball and get to a point well, well- where it outstrips, if we're not careful, what's the the services are capable of dealing with i think that's already beginning to happen Mm. especially around the motorways yeah Uh, i i really do that's the feedback i keep seeing just the number of vehicles you see at places it's gone up drastically in the last couple of years yeah i'm just seeing i'm seeing a lot of that whole yeah there's a queue here type stuff yeah yeah, and i've i've seen i've seen it with my very own eyes (laughs) it's kind of funny that the demand over the past uh, what five years uh, of stuff since we were we did charge around Britain. The just the difference, just the difference in the number of charges there are, the difference in the number of vehicles there are trying to charge properly that aren't fevs. I think the tolerance of 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 drivers as well, because there's more people in these vehicles, they are expecting a certain level of of service from charging facilities. Yes. Yes, I mean, we did in- whereas when we went, it was very much early adopters who were going, well, well, you've got mm. to make all these sort of 
you've got to jump through these hoops to make this happen. But that's part of the thing of it now because we're first out and all the rest of it. We're, we're, we've moved a lot further on from that, I believe. Yes, I agree completely. Right, do you want to take us to Sweden then? I would love to take you to Sweden. <laughs> I would love for you to take me to Sweden. <laughs> yes. Volvo. Uh, they've had a bit of an issue. Uh, in fact, they've had a cyber attack. And good news is they don't see any impact on security of customers' cars or customers' personal data. Uh, the bad news is they do seem to have lost some R&D property. So they do seem to have lost some of that. So somebody's been in, rootled around a bit, grabbed some stuff. It happens to be happens to be R&D stuff. This wasn't from a Russian IP address and happened to use the uh, login details of Mr. Whoever Got Done For... <laughs> Whoever got whoever off got nicking done. Volvo car stuff, but got done well, for DAF or for yeah. Volvo lorries. <laughs> yes. Anyway, they are conducting their own investigation, working with a third-party specialist to investigate some property theft. And that they have implemented security countermeasures. In other words, don't you go trying it again, or anyone else start getting any ideas. We've um, changed the password so yes, we'll now. see what happens. It's no longer it's password one, two, three. <laughs> Yes, let me in one, yeah, <laughs> exclamation mark. That way it complies. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. Anyway, uh, so that was that was just a very quick one there. Yep. But, Andrew, you've got some pro proper quality consumer journalism. Yes, uh, from the Bournemouth Echo, one of our key media sites that we go to for information. But this is actually quite serious. It happens annually, but DVLA is warning of scams that are happening at the moment. This is mainly targeting elderly drivers or elderly license holders where third-party companies are offering a service for a fee to do whatever it is that the, the person needs doing with the DVLA site. Over 70s driving license renewal being a favourite one. Yes, because then there's there's a they can get bank details and things like that. Mm -hmm. And those people are less likely to be as savvy about naughty people as some mm -hmm. of us. They're just warning, uh, and if we can warn all friends and families to be on the lookout, DVLA will not send you an email and ask for your details to do things. And you are better off going to the DVLA website itself rather than a third-party company because you will be able to do pretty much whatever it is you're looking to do without being charged an additional fee on top of whatever the admin cost is for renewing your license or something like that. If there is one, indeed. Yeah. So I always go via the gov.uk yes. website. That's my. That's always my guidance on that one. Yep. And on that... Uh, that news of rare consumer journalism, Alan. I think that's the end of part one. It is. Uh, so that means that it's Guilt Minute, the quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on the hosting running. If you're at the motoring podcast worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise available from our website and spring store, from stickers to mugs and T-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash, we completely understand that you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all that, and some of you do, so thank you very, very much, uh, then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. 
and thank you everyone who does. It is very mm. much appreciated. And new patrons as well, recent patrons. Oh yes, thank you very much. You're lovely new patrons. Yes. Yes. Alan, would you like to take us to the lunchtime read because there's no new 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 car news? Well, there is. There's quite a lot of new new car news today, but it was 15 new new cars, and there's quite a lot of ties up into a bigger story, though, that we need to digest and discuss. Well, we actually need a chance to read the copious amounts of press release, and we decided everybody else has just gone through the bullet points and spouted them out. So, what was the point in us doing it as well? Uh, I think that that was what the logic was, wasn't it, Andrew? You've put it more politely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There were some naughty words about people who don't know their history so so yes uh quickly lunchtime read a very short second part to the show nia khan by the way has obviously had some time on his hands not like him lately where he has again talking about uh, automotive design uh, on linkedin there'll be a link in the show notes you don't have to sign up to link linkedin if you're not signed up to linkedin so there's a bonus and he's talking all about the fiat multiple to be perfectly honest and it was a topic that came up on on Twitter, so I imagine that's where this 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 sort of stemmed from. It, well, hang on, the multiplier comes up in design car Twitter about every twenty minutes, or somebody gushes about it. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Anir is a bit. He he is a huge fan of the multiplier, the, the original multiplier, and it's just a really interesting thing about the the facelift of the multiplier and the mistakes that were made by the decisions to go down the route they did with the mark ii or the facelift mm-hmm. and and how that's how that can be seen in other other cars other brands and how they've done things yes. I, I thought it was i thought it was really fascinating uh, i i will stand by the fact i think that the original multiple is ugly as sin but a brilliantly packaged vehicle i think i've managed to annoy and just about get away with it with the designer people Okay, so I'm going to move on. <laughs> right, our list of the week is from uh, is from Great Driving Days, so our friends there. Mm. And it is the best Santa-compliant classics. There are five, I think. Is it, is it five? Yes, five. So, Two, Alan, three, four, do you have five. one in all this that stands out more than any others? Because they are very good. All of them, are, there, there is good arguments that are made in the article that you do need to click through on the show notes That uh, for uh, each of them. Yeah, I'm going to say the Chevrolet El Camino. Okay. I would be yes. happy with any of these, to be fair. Uh, yeah, yes. yeah. More yeah, happy yes. with some than others, yes. but I would, I would yes. be happy with any of them. I, I like the idea of the El, El Camino. It's powerful. It's got a large load space. Only two seats. <laughs> well, Only two seats. No, it's probably more because it's a bench. It's a, it's a pickup truck. Yeah, yeah, so. or, or three seats, or however many that you and your you and your your auntie, your uncle, and your sister, who's your cousin, and whatever else can can fit into your into your pickup truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do click through there and see if you agree with Alan. Uh, if not, don't forget to tweet us and let us know what you would pick instead. <laughs> Absolutely. And finally this week, I told you this was much short. The second part was much shorter than the first part. And finally this week, it bizarrely comes from the register, and it's DVLA again. They have put out a survey, 
uh, and it says that one in six UK motorists name their cars with those aged between 35 and 53, or most drivers, uh, most likely to do so. And then they say the results have been disappointing, which I think is a bit weird. I think the register said that they were disappointing. Yeah, but, I mean, it points out that some of the unusual names do seem very tame, such as Disco Dave, Lady Patricia, The Beast, and ZZ Top. I can't even work I, I out what kind of car it was. I crowbar that into the name. <laughs> I know, I know. Disco Dave. It's another favourite. I don't know. Weird. Anyway, uh, there is a link from that article through to the the, the rest of the, the the survey, but yeah, I mean, people calling their cars Kermit is hardly that original. If it's a green car, I suspect looking at that age group as well, many will have been named by the family stroke children. So the imagination, as far as names goes, will not be that high. No, 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 exactly. Uh, the most popular names, by the way, goes in, well, there were 2,095 res- respondents. Uh, amongst the most popular names were Max, Ruby, and Doris. Yes, yeah, supposedly Kids TV inspired Max and Ruby. Yeah, I believe. I, whoosh, over my uh, thankfully, mine are too old for that now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so there we go. It's a bit, bit of a weird one, just there. Yes. Uh, what do we have? Uh, parish note. Special edition was out last Friday. I sort of missed it because I basically, anytime I'm, I just generally run over by a bus at the minute. But you spoke to folks at a company called Bcomp. I did. Um, and I know that we'd had a discussion about, about your discussion, uh, uh, between us. Really interesting. Composite material company uses natural fibers. Yes. Lots of work in automotive space in race cars as well, I believe. Yes. Uh, and all sorts of really interesting benefits to it compared perhaps to 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 glass fibers, carbon fibers, some of these yep. some of these other composites. So definitely worth a listen. Yes, um, absolutely. I'll need to start shouting about that one a little bit more. Um but do 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 go have a listen because cause you're out. You spent some time telling me just how fascinating it was. So that's generally a pretty good sign. I may gush quite a bit in this interview as well, because uh, through the research I did and then discussing it with the with Per Martinson, it was it it. I just think it's fascinating on so many levels and where it's being used currently, let alone where it can be used in the future, not just in automotive but in so many other applications. It mm-hmm. it ah oh, it just it makes such a lot of sense. Uh, and it's really clever um uh, and yes do yeah. please do go listen because it's it's a new take on these things yeah and and so you can get to that um it'll either be the show before this one uh on your on your podcast player uh or of course you can get to it uh, via our website motoringpodcast.com mm-hmm. moving on from there then don't forget, between now and next week, you can give us any feedback. Share your thoughts on the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of the aforementioned motoringpodcast.com, which is the hub of all our activities. Please uh, remember you can f- support us financially via Patreon and leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, in the meantime, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you personally, what's the best way for them to do that? 
a Twitter as well, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. Uh, as I say, we'll be back very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.